So really, you see, we arrived in your time entirely by accident. It's just another miscalculation by the doctor. Well, I would hardly call it a miscalculation, my boy. Well, then what would you call it? Well, I think with all eternity to choose from, I did rather well to get us back to Earth. <laughs> very glad you're pleased with yourself. I suppose I should be grateful for standing here to trust like a chicken ready to have my throat cut. Thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Mac. And I'm Caleb. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week, we will be watching The Mythmakers. The Mythmakers aired October 16th, 1965 to November 6th, 1965. It was written by Donald Cotton, directed by Michael Leaston-Smith, and produced by John Wiles. Feels weird saying that. <laughs> yes, as it's obvious, this is the first episode that is produced by someone other than uh, Verity Lambert, and I don't want to go into uh, too much detail, because that's what the actual episode itself is for. But um, let's just say there were some growing pain. <laughs> just, just, some, just some minor shifts of people maybe not... Maybe not liking all of the changes. <laughs> Maybe having some issues with upper management. Maybe being a bit of a diva. Who knows? <laughs> oh, no. This all... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but anyway, Caleb, uh, given all you know about Doctor Who and given the title, The Mythmakers, what do you think this episode is going to be about? Obviously, we haven't had a history episode in a hot minute. So, the travelers go back to ancient Rome, and the TARDIS becomes the premise for Pandora's box. Damn, that's good. <laughs> that's good. BBC, hire me. I will write Doctor Who episodes. They will be equally as good as what I'm watching right now. Oh, uh, but like, like the TARDIS being Pandora's box. That's awesome. See, you're relatively close. You've got some ideas. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> they do go back to ancient Greece. There is a box. Yeah, they do go back to ancient Greece. Damn, I'm good. You said Rome before. It's very different. Oh, did I say Rome? I'm an idiot. I meant Greece. You still wake up tossing and turning at night in a cold sweat and screaming, thinking about the Romans. So I understand <laughs> why <laughs> that was still on your brain. And Kylie turns over and she touches me. I cover in sweat. And she's like, Caleb, what's wrong? And I was like... Barb knows there was a, not a fridge in that villa. <laughs> there's not a fridge, Kylie. I know, Caleb. I know there's not a fridge. There, there's no such thing. It was, Kylie, it was a solid four minutes of silence, Kylie. Nothing was happening, Kylie. <laughs> Don't worry, Caleb. We've moved past it. It can't hurt you anymore. We are going back to ancient Greece, though, so... I hope the togas don't trigger you. <laughs> trigger warning. It go involves togas. <laughs> and with that, uh, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. <laughs> Thank you. 
And we're back. May have just been a couple of seconds for you, but it was four days for us. Yeah, it was four days for us. Yeah, quick turnaround on this one. Yeah. An episode a day keeps the doctor away. (laughs) (laughs) We like to have fun here. (laughs) So just for uh, a couple of post-view notes, this episode is the very unfortunate in several ways uh, departure of Maureen O'Brien as Vicky um, and is the debut of Adrian Hill as Katerina. Uh, but before we start to really, really dig into it, Caleb, general thoughts? What'd you think of the Mistmaker? <laughs> Mistmakers. Mythmakers. I am, I am irrevocably, unquenchably pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Now, is that surrounding entirely in Vicky's departure, or is there more to the episode that pissed you off? Uh, no, it's almost entirely that. Okay. The episode itself, again, uh, I have a goldfish brain. It's really hard for me to pay attention, even when this one is, like, way more violent and action-packed. This would be a great episode to watch, I feel. Yeah, honestly, so far of all the ones that we've just listened to, if I could restore one of them, it would be this one. Yeah, I agree. I'm right there with you on that. Since we have uh, have so many episodes under our belt so far... I am really only going to mention my rankings if someone, if one of them uh, cracks the top five or the bottom five. And Mythmakers did crack the top five for me, but I suspect that by the end of this discussion, it might have left the top five. <laughs> uh, it's definitely not in the top five. I wouldn't put it in the bottom five for me, but it's probably like number three on the what the fuck category. <laughs> What are the other two? Probably Barb and Ian leaving, and, um, hmm, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, the Romans. The Romans is definitely number one. I was going to say, just the entire concept of the web planet, because I just <sighs> got done I just got done editing that, and that <laughs> episode is just a fucking nightmare. <laughs> it is still I, at the bottom of my list. I think the Romans is still worse, and, like, the web planet just struggled because, like, it was just such an old Doctor Who episode. <laughs> Comparative to like the newer stuff they were doing, like if if it if the Web Planet had been like episode or story two of the entire series of Doctor Who, I would have like probably higher thoughts of it to be honest. <laughs> probably the, pro- the problem is like where it came between. Yeah, uh, the romance is just bad, so bad I was actually physically offended by its existence. Oh, I know, it's one of my favorite episodes of our podcast. You get so <laughs> mad. <laughs> I just, I wish that our uh, viewers could just see you have just like the pulsing vein in your forehead the entire time. It was great. Because I really did. I really did. I was so angry. <laughs> that was half my entertainment value. But uh, the Mythmakers I like just because, you know, I studied ancient Greece a lot in college. So any episodes that bring me to that era, I'm like, mm, comfort zone. Yes, I'll Ooh, get some co- cocoa. Yes. I did not study greek culture that much beyond what i was required to in high school i did watch the movie troy though that's basically the same thing basically the same thing particularly yeah. the scene where you see brad pitt's butt i watched that scene a lot <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you did <laughs> but yeah shall we dive right into it let's do it let's dig on in episode one temple of secrets outside the city of troy we see or rather hear achilles and hector engaged in epic combat The TARDIS appears, and the travelers watch the two fight. Hector is finally distracted by the appearance of the TARDIS, and Achilles kills him. He then thanks the Doctor for his victory, thinking he is Zeus. 
He convinces the group to stay to help the Greeks overthrow Troy. When Odysseus appears, he takes the doctor back to the camp, claiming he is a Trojan spy. Vicky is still injured from the last adventure, so Stephen heads out alone to save the doctor. At the Greek camp, the leaders can't decide what to do with the doctor. They decide to hold him prisoner until they can sort out whether he is a god or a spy. Stephen is being tailed by a one-eyed man named Cyclops, and he informs Odysseus of his whereabouts. Odysseus captures Stephen to prove that the doctor is not who he says he is. At the camp, the doctor convinces the group that only he can kill Stephen at the temple at the temple at noon the next day. The problem is that the temple has disappeared. Um, so there's a couple of pieces of trivia, trivia, what the fuck, trivia that I'm going to go ahead and uh, drop right now. First of all, this is Peter Purvis's favorite story that he was in. Apparently, William Hartnell was not having a good time just during this entire story because uh first of all he was struck by a camera at some point and sustained a major bruise to his shoulder i'd be pissed too yeah but the thing that makes me more i'm like i'm pissed for him for this next one uh william hartnell was raised was basically raised by his aunt he had a very troubled childhood but he was basically raised by his aunt and she passed away during this uh, filming and uh, the new producers were basically like, ah, yes, it's very sad. Anyway, you're coming in tomorrow, right? Because due to the tight filming schedule, he was unable to attend her funeral. And as a result, he was, understandably, very difficult to work with and was very unfriendly uh, to the uh, guest actors, especially the ones playing Agamemnon and uh, Priam. He was kind of a dick to them all the way through. And I'm like, I kind of understand yeah. why i'd be pissed Damn, I'd be too, too. <laughs> yeah um so anyway just those are some fun facts for you air quotes fun facts but yeah uh, so the the tardis lands and they see achilles and hector fighting and the doctor's like "Ooh, cool i'm gonna go outside and say hi and they're like doctor i don't think you should be going out there while they're fighting and he just like waves them off and I do love it because it's just like, nonsense, I've managed to fight off an assassin and a robot duplicate of myself. I'm a badass. I'll be fine. <laughs> I am the doctor, master of hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> As we all know. Uh, yeah, and then Achilles begs for Zeus's favor. The doctor appears and Achilles wins the fight because Hector is uh, distracted. So the doctor is mistaken for Zeus. And I was just like, oh, good. The doctor is mistaken for a god. This is exactly what his ego needs. I was starting to think he was becoming too humble. <laughs> Sadly, underutilized, the doctor, shock of all shocks, actually does not really develop that much of a god complex in this episode. It's true. You'd think he would. I, I was also <laughs> kind of surprised by, like, by the complete lack of, oh, good, you're all my servants, you can bow to me, <laughs> that I was expecting. It's actually pretty amazing how much the Doctor actually tries not to intervene in anything. Yeah, no kidding. Odysseus is understandably a bit, let's say, skeptical that the Doctor is Zeus. And um, the Doctor is just like, this is this is my temple. Yes, indicating towards the TARDIS. He's like, this is my temple. And Odysseus is just completely not swayed. I would have opened the TARDIS doors. I would have been like, look! Look at my temple and, and gaze upon my majesty. I feel like that would have convinced him. Oh, shit, you're a god. That's neat. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. 
and we can't exactly like make the argument that like oh the doctor wouldn't let anyone know his ship what the fuck he lets people in all the time he lets people in all the time he he always takes in strays what are you talking about <laughs> i really don't have that much to say about this episode it's one of those episodes where like it's despite the fact that it opens with violence it's kind of slow and meandering and it it does it does the first episode thing where it just sets everything up yeah but I'll, I'll be honest i thought it was i thought it was good setup i liked that it was basically just the doctor rolling deception check after deception check because he needs to keep up the pretense that he's a god and then steven is captured so he needs to try and figure out a way to stop him from being executed while also not giving away his his mortality i didn't take a whole lot of notes on this episode but i don't think it was because of a lack of like things to say or interest I was actually just like listening to it and enjoying it. And then several minutes would go by. I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm supposed to be taking notes, aren't I? And I feel like that's a good <laughs> sign. <laughs> that's a good sign. Max actually enjoying it, whereas Caleb doesn't take notes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hey, do you kind of remember that one thing that happened? And Max like, no, that's not at all what happened, Caleb. <laughs> Caleb, were you listening at all? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you ask? <laughs> well, I do like in this episode, like when he's taken to the camp uh, and he's trying to prove that he's Zeus. He's like, I know that Agamemnon here, or whatever his name is. He's like, his wife is having an affair. And everyone's like, yeah, we fucking know that already. <laughs> Everybody knows that except for Agamemnon. What? Huh? <laughs> I just imagine we get from his food. Huh? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he claims to be Zeus and Odysseus is like, oh, cool. You're Zeus. Tell us as many stories about Aphrodite as you've got. I'm sure that'll convince us. And I'm like, all right, you dirty old men. I think this is a PG show if last I checked. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. This is kids programming. This is a family-friendly show where we burn Rome. <laughs> and later and Troy. <laughs> and later Troy. Spoilers. So, uh, yeah, I, I was just really enjoying myself during this episode. And um, that's those are all the those are all the notes. But like, just assume that by, um, compliment by omission. It's just like I enjoyed the episode because it didn't have a whole lot to talk about. It was just I was just watching. <laughs> yeah, and um, that that's more or less my sentiment on all these episodes um, until we get to the end. But there's nothing really wrong with it. It's just one of those things. Where like, yeah, I'm listening to this. This is notably better than everything else we've listened to. I really just wish I could have watched it. Yeah, but. Uh... On to episode two. On to episode two, I guess. Small profit, quick return. The TARDIS is gone, but appears to have been pulled away toward Troy. The Doctor admits his lies and explains they actually can't, and explains how they actually came to Greece. Meanwhile, the TARDIS is brought into Troy by Paris, the brother of the now dead Hector. His sister Cassandra warns everyone of a dream she had, where the Greeks invade the city through a strange vessel. They decide to burn the TARDIS with Vicky still stuck inside. When Paris asks for a sign from the god for the gods' will, Vicky emerges. She convinces them she is from the future, and she starts to become close with Priam um, and other dudes. <laughs> the Doctor doesn't believe the Trojan horse story, and he will only help Odysseus if he can guarantee Vicky's safety. Stephen offers to go in after her, and they decide to sneak him in as a Greek soldier and allow him to be, be taken hostage. Paris nervously calls out to challenge Achilles, but finds Stephen instead. After defeating Stephen, Paris keeps him alive after Stephen strokes his ego a bit. Stephen is brought to the palace, and when he recognizes Vicky, Cassandra accuses her of being a Greek spy and orders the guards to kill both of them. This episode introduces my favorite character of this story, 
which is Paris. <laughs> I love Paris. <laughs> I think he's yeah. my new favorite one-off character. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to agree with that. Almost strictly by the way he handles the duel. Because <laughs> he goes out and he's like, hey, Achilles. Hey, Achilles, I've come to avenge my brother. But if you don't hear this, I can't do that. I'll take your silence as a surrender. Oh, well, I tried. Anyway, time to go back home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. The wild cowardice of it all. Paris is cowardly and funny. He's like Usopp from One Piece, if Usopp were actually funny. Usopp's the guy with the long nose and like the beanie thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Odysseus uh, kind of feels like the Greek equivalent of Tetoxel. Not quite as, like, conniving, but he has the exact same motivation of... Oh, you claim you're a god. I'm going to prove that you're not. But the difference between Barbara and the doctor is the doctor is just like, all right, fine, you caught me. I'm not actually a god. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was kind of weird and interesting that the doctor didn't believe the Trojan horse story. Well, it's a, I mean, it's the the episode title. It's a myth. Nobody really has proof that that is what happened. But he also, I don't know. I feel like I feel like crazier things have happened than the Trojan horse story. Sure. And I mean, if I were the doctor at this point and I'd literally caused the burning of Rome, I would just assume that I was somehow involved in every <laughs> other major historical or mythological event. So if someone was like, Doctor, you don't believe the Trojan horse story? You don't think you're actually might be involved in how it gets created? I'd be like, Oh shit, probably, maybe. <laughs> Look, just because I accidentally caused a car crash that caused Archduke Ferdinand to have to take an alternate path that originally that eventually led to World War One. Doesn't mean that I am the cause of every single disaster in history. Okay, <laughs> I'm very excited to watch 30 years of the show and watch that actually be the case. I know at some point they do go to World War One. I'm pretty sure he doesn't cause the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand. I'm like. 85% sure he doesn't cause the assassination of <laughs> We shall see. But yeah, I don't know. I thought it was weird. I thought crazy things have happened. I do like how the Doctor and Stephen come clean of how they got to uh, ancient Greece, about how they're time travelers, and etc, etc, etc. And Odysseus is like, alright, fine, I won't execute you. That story was way too stupid for it to have not been true. <laughs> You would not be facing the sword and think of, we're time travelers from the late 24th century. (laughs) It's like, all right, fine. (laughs) I make the note of your story is so unbelievably fucking stupid. It must be true. Sub note. Oh God, the writers are becoming (laughs) (laughs) self-aware. On that note, I do like Odysseus because the moment he's like, okay, cool. So before you had to prove that you're a God, now you have to prove you're a time traveler. Use your future sight to help us win this fight or we'll kill you either way it's a win-win for me (laughs) (laughs) odysseus perfectly reasonable bad guy honestly kind of yeah (laughs) (laughs) because he kind of has that attitude later in the story too just like he has like honestly i don't really care i win either way like they're in the trojan horse or whatever and he has like a line where like yeah i don't give a shit if my friends get killed during this battle i will get more money that way (laughs) Yeah, it's like, I kind of hope they do get killed. That way there will be a bigger cut for me. I was like, Odysseus, you're kind of a dick, but you're honest about it. Odysseus, you're a dick, but I fuck with you. You're cool. (laughs) 
So Paris is like, gods, give me a sign that we should not uh, destroy this monument. And then Vicky walks out and she doesn't try to keep up a deception. She's like, no, I'm from the future. Sup, y'all. I'm from the future. And then Cassandra, who is like a professional soothsayer, uh, is calling her out um, for being from the future. And everyone's like, are you saying that seeing the future is bullshit, Cassandra, the soothsayer? And she's like, no, no. <laughs> but seeing the future and being from the future are two different things. <laughs> also, just, um, <laughs> I so, I man, Caleb, if I could restore any one of these stories, it would definitely be Mythmakers because I want to see Cassandra acting. Holy shit, I want to see Cassandra acting. Because I'm not sure if you noticed, but several times that the stories, she fucking turns into Gollum. <laughs> Dude, She's no, like, uh, no, no, she is, she is a false soothsayer. I'm like, Jesus, tone it down. We can't see the set. It doesn't matter if you chew it or not. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> no, I thought I thought that because like the first line she says, I'm like, Jesus Christ, where are we all again? 11. It just kept getting worse. <laughs> all of my acting teachers will always tell you, you have to have somewhere to go. If you start at 11 at the top, you've got nowhere to go but down. <laughs> Come on, well, man. You know what? She committed. She maintained that at 11. She did maintain that at 11. M- maybe Bravo even bumped to it to a 12 at one point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no but because I, I i was just like seeing like imagining this scene the whole time and i did i just imagine her just like whipping around saying her lines <laughs> like she almost has like energy like she just bursts into the room yeah at one point she's uh talking about the incompetence of her brother and fa- her brothers and father and i t- would have thought it would be totally uh in character for her if she just suddenly started going we hates them we hates the brothers yes we do <laughs> <laughs> you know what that would have been way more interesting <laughs> at, ver- at one at one point i thought she was going to uh, <laughs> i thought she was going to say we hates them that's, a, that's that's the vibe i was getting <laughs> i do also think it's funny i guess uh, the immediate thirsting for Vicky when she walks out. To be fair, Vicky's very pretty. Not even, well, I mean, like, she is pretty. I, I just think it's funny that, like, you know, she comes out and talks, and suddenly there's, like, these, like, four new male characters, and they're like, hello. <laughs> hello, hello, hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because she's, like, instantly treated as, like, a princess. Literally, because, <laughs> because Priam... <laughs> I was expecting a scene where Priam, Cassandra, and Vicky are having dinner, and Priam just turns to Vicky and is like, you're like the daughter I never had. Cassandra's just like, what the <laughs> fuck, dad? Because <laughs> that's that's the dynamic the three of them have. <laughs> we get to the Paris duel, and I do really love how Steven just completely does everything except for accidentally throwing his sword on the ground. <laughs> By giving up the fight. And then he's just like, oh, yes, everybody knows of the Lion of Troy, Paris. Please, sir, please. Don't throw me in the briar patch, Lord Paris. Paris is like, yes. Yes, I am rather impressive, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) Yep, I agree. Someone's finally showing me the respect. I mean, people continue to show me the respect I deserve. (laughs) (laughs) Paris is amazing. And then I make the note of he feels like he would be played by John Cleese. Like I'm getting a John Cleese vibe <laughs> from him. 
which is funny because John Cleese actually does appear in Doctor Who at some point. Huh. It's kind of all I got. But again, I did, I did, I was enjoying myself. Yep. Uh, I, I thought this episode went along at a good pace. Uh, it was funny in all the right ways. <laughs> yes. It's like this and the Romans, I feel like, were both written as comedies, except that the Mythmakers actually succeeded in being funny. <laughs> yeah and not cringe (laughs) yeah all right episode three death of a spy paris intervenes on the execution but vicky must prove some divine power within a day to keep her life the doctor plays paper airplanes with odysseus and the greek decides the doctor should build them a real one in troy's prison vicky and stephen give cyclops a message for the doctor asking him to delay any attack for two days vicky also does some flirting with one of the other troy officials the doctor convinces the Greeks to build a giant wooden horse instead of a flying machine, and they just love the idea. Cyclops is killed by a pair of Trojan guards. The Greeks build the Trojan horse and everyone climbs inside, including the doctor. When Paris finds it, he eagerly brings it to the city like a fucking idiot. Yeah, so it turns out that uh, the whole Trojan horse thing happened entirely because of because Paris is a dumbass. <laughs> and I appreciate that. <laughs> I know I, I know I sound like, like kind of saying I agree about it, but I honestly did kind of love it where he was like, wow, look at this amazing big wooden horse. Uh, it's definitely not a trap. I mean, in their defense, the idea of the Trojan horse is currently being invented. <laughs> <laughs> so it hadn't occurred to him that that would be a trap. True, I guess, except I don't know. If I'm like, yes, we're actively at war. The Greeks are literally outside the fucking walls somewhere. This random wooden horse out of nowhere? Oh, that's the horse of Asia, whatever the fuck that is. That's honestly one of the funniest things about it, is that a large portion of the forces, or like a, a good squad goes into the, the horse, and then the Greeks sail away. Trojans are like, oh, well, finally, that's over with. This war that's been going on for 10 <laughs> years is finally over, because I guess they just fucked off. Awesome. Anyway, let's take this inside. <laughs> But then the, the ships just did a Yui and came, came back. <laughs> but I, I do love Paris's just like smug, self-fulfilled attitude about it. I just love the idea that soldiers fled out of the horse and led in an entire legion into the city. And uh, the entire city is burning. And Paris is just in the in the palace going, oops, Paris. bum ba bum ba dum freeze frame <laughs> freeze frame everybody freezes and then the greek soldiers come in and stab them all while they're frozen <laughs> i don't know what the prompting was but this is this is the part where i make the note of how's that scenery taste cassandra good because at some point she goes how dare you <laughs> just like just a smidge just a smidge cassandra just tone it down just a little bit just a smidge, just a little bit. Just a tiny, just, 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 just a little tiny little bit. Cassandra, you just made me peek my mic. I don't appreciate that. But I, it's funny, because there's a concept in this episode that's like even mentioned by Steven at some point that I really wish they had a chance to lean into, which is the Doctor is coming up with the military strategy for the Greeks in order to take Troy because he's from the future. Meanwhile, Vicky is with the Trojans and they're asking for her assistance for a military advantage over the Greeks because she's from the future. And I really wish that we had kind of dug a little bit deeper into the idea of the doctor and Vicky kind of playing chess with each other in this way without the doctor even knowing that he was playing chess with Vicky. Like, I feel like that could have been really fun, a really fun moment 
are just like they're both like legitimately like i kind of wish more episodes have been added they can completely make up shit if they want but like a scenario where vicky and the doctor are just like having to be military commanders <laughs> against each other i think that would have been really cool <laughs> no that would have been really cool because she's proven that she's like as smart as the doctor she's been able to keep up with all of his uh techno babble and it goes along with all of his cons like she has proven herself to be on par with the doctor and i feel like this could have been you know for vicky's last episode this could have been a really good chance for that none of that happens but it would have been really cool if it had. Yeah, and this is a good point to bring up, or a good part to bring up. Um, they really Susaned Vicky in this episode. A little bit, yeah. I mean, I mean, I very much feel that way in the sense that, like, she was very not sidelined, but because I agree, like, something where like it would have been like a battle of wits between her and the Doctor matched her character. Uh, it would have been really interesting, and uh, again, more in line with like who she was. Uh, but most of the time, she's just held prisoner in this whole arc. Yeah, like a comfy prisoner. Yeah, she doesn't really get to flex her muscles, so to speak, the way she has in prior episodes. And it, it just it's a really bad send-off episode. I agree. Not, like Even though like Barb and Ian's were like surprising, like I wasn't expecting them to send off, Like it still made sense, I felt. I felt like, I mean, they had an arc from like beginning to end, right? But like they had a moment to really go home, and they took it. And I was fine with that, whereas I feel like Vicky didn't really get anything. I agree. Except maybe, like, Disney love, which makes me mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, hold on. Just a moment. Control F. Troilus. Troilus, the guy that Vicky ends up with. I do not get a ping with Control F on the Mythmakers thing until about two-thirds of the way through the second episode. And I don't think they actually, the two of them ever actually interact until the third episode. Mm-hmm. It's kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I know it was only like four episodes into her tenure as a companion, but we made the comment in the Space Museum of, I would have totally bought Vicky staying on Zeros to be like the new military commander to try and help these people bring their society back together, because that's more in line with her. But I know we're going a little ahead of ourselves, but kind of difficult to discuss this this episode without really bringing up how much vicky gets screwed yeah the first time they interact is in this episode like you said and like they're like f flirting kind of through like the prison cell yeah and then like steven makes a remark about it yeah and then he says something in like the next episode that makes me mad but we'll get to that so so the doctor eventually comes up with hey let's try the horse idea and uh odysseus is like yes i will bring some of my best men also, the doctor will be coming with me. And there was, <laughs> there was an exchange that I uh, shifted some stuff around just a little bit, but it basically went along lines of, that wasn't part of the deal. I am altering the deal. Pray I do not alter it further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, because again, Odysseus, great anti-hero slash bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I like this episode because, have you read the Song of Ice and Fire books? Uh, I've read three of them. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's in the second one. Uh, the Battle of uh, Blackwater Bay. Yes. During the Battle of Blackwater Bay, the chapters alternate between Tyrion perspective and Davos's perspective. And it's just really cool because depending on whose perspective you're on is who you're rooting for. And that's something I really like about this is because when you're with the doctor, you're like, yeah, Greeks, make that horse. But then uh, when you're with Vicky, you're like, these are good people. Please don't bring the horse into the city. 
<laughs> and then there's Steven who just goes back and forth. But uh, that's that's one thing I really like about this episode is that it shows the perspective of both sides and you're kind of rooting for both sides depending on which scene you're in. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Because on one hand, you got Odysseus. And then on the other hand, you got Paris. So I'm like, I like both of these guys. I don't want either one to kill the other. <laughs> <laughs> spoilers one of them kills the other yeah oh big spoilers slightly earlier in this episode like when the doctor is like still trying to prove like oh i'm from the future i'm so smart he's like look at look at me talk about airplanes <laughs> and odysseus is like hey you should build us one and then fly it <laughs> doctor's like oh no 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 i couldn't you I know what's yeah airplanes are cool you know what's even cooler horses, horses. <laughs> how they're all <laughs> On the ground and stuff. <laughs> Vicky makes the comment in this episode that she's like, I, I knew going in this was going to be Vicky's last episode. So just like with the Dalek invasion of Earth, I was keeping an eye out for uh, stuff to see if it like pays off, if, if their departure pays off. And it feels like there's a lot of foreshadowing that she's going to stay, but it's all out of character foreshadowing because at one point she's just like, that the people here are nice and this place is really nice. She's like, I could stay here and be happy. And I was like, Vicky, the entire time you were in ancient Rome, you were just taking the piss out of every single person you saw because they were stupid monkeys who didn't know how to bang two sticks together. This is even further back in history than that. What the fuck are you talking about? You'd be happy here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought the same thing. And just what the fuck? What the fuck? Like, literally nothing about this setting indicates that Vicky would enjoy it. And she spends most of it as a hostage. She's being treated like a princess, but, like, spoiler alert, the people who are treating her like a princess and the place that she's being treated as a princess at, they're all going to be on fire here in about a day and a half. So, <laughs> and she knows that. So I don't know why she's getting comfy. <laughs> It, yeah, it's very strange. But I guess on that note, we should probably get into the fourth episode, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why not? We've, we've bitched about this episode enough in the first three episodes. May as well bitch about it now. Yeah, might as well really get to the heart of it. Episode four, Horse of Destruction. Cassandra is straight pissed Vicky isn't dead yet, and Preem and Paris just ignore her. Vicky uses the chance to slip away. Paris goes to find her, and Cassandra sends her own spy, Katarina, to find her as well. Vicky slips into the dungeon and frees Steven. Vicky and Steven split up, and Vicky is caught by the Trojans again. While captured, Troilet, Troilus comes to visit Vicky, and she convinces him to leave the city and find Diomedes, who's Steven, by the way. Instead, he kills Achilles. The Greek wreak havoc on the city, and the Doctor uses the chance to escape. Vicky convinces Katarina to, to help her, and together they find their way back to the Doctor. More violence breaks out, and the Doctor narrowly escapes Odysseus, and he, Stephen, and Katarina disappear on the TARDIS. Vicky finds her way to Troilus, and she reveals she decided to stay behind with him. On the TARDIS, the Doctor needs to find medication to help Stephen, and he can only hope that their next nation has what he needs. Fun fact, Vicky first appears in, like, episode 2 or whatever, and uh, she says, Hi, my name is Vicky. And Priam is like, oh, no, 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 that name's not going to do. We're going to give you a new name. Uh, how about uh, Cressida? Yeah, Cressida. Your name's Cressida now. And she's like, fine, whatever. And then uh, Stephen uh, takes the name of Diomedes. There actually was like a story of Cressida and Troilus where they uh, fell in love. And then uh, Cressida was, I think, taken captive. 
And while she was captive, she fell in love with a man named Diomedes. And Troilus basically started a war over that. I don't know why they chose those names. Because, like, obviously that's not going to happen. Because the dude we know as Diomedes is pieced out in the TARDIS. <laughs> so I don't know why they chose those names. They could have come up with ridiculously Greek names without <laughs> invoking that story. So I don't really know why they did that. I have a feeling that the actress playing Vicky just, like, suddenly decided to quit. Oh, no, 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 no. I there there's remember my um sneak preview last last oh. episode yeah this is the result of the backdoor politicking oh i see i see we'll get a little bit more into that when we get to uh goodbye my dear but yeah because oh the reason i say that is because like it just seems so sudden and so rushed <laughs> like i don't feel like they really like had time to write this episode and have a consistent theme because i'm sure they probably wrote with like oh yes this is like referring back to that story uh, and like we're gonna make it connect the dots except it doesn't not really because they didn't really have time to flesh it out and again it all uh, we'll talk about Biggie real quick it just seems rushed and wrong and dumb and i hate it i hate it i hate it i hate it it, it would be like having three characters ne- named jesus mary and joseph and at no point is there any sort of like religious allegory in your story if there's no religious mm-hmm. allegory why did you name them Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? Why did mm-hmm. you name them Troilus, Cressida, and Diomedes if it's not that? I don't understand. <laughs> because it would have been, it would it actually would have been interesting if like Stephen kind of like confessed some feelings for Vicky and then just straight up tried to fight this Troilus guy over it. That that would be cool. <laughs> that would be cool out of nowhere, but more interesting than what we got. Uh, I could I could see it. Um, I, I wouldn't say they've had like a romantic chemistry, but they've had they've had like a a connection. They definitely have a rapport. I would I would say it's more of like a brother sister kind of rapport than anything else. Uh, I can see that too. Well, maybe they're from future Alabama. I don't know. <laughs> Especially in the Time Meddler, I feel like they were very sibling esque in the Time Meddler. But I do love how the the horses brought into the the uh, city square, and Stephen and, and Vicky are both staring at it like, oh no. He didn't, did he? Tell me he didn't do this. (laughs) But they're like, but they're like giving him all this credit of like, he's like, oh, well, the doctor's definitely in there. Really? You think so? Of course. He knows that the TARDIS was taken, so he knows that he needed to get into Troy. The best way to get it is in plain sight. He's definitely inside the horse because he was helping the Greeks win. He was able to kill two birds with one stone. It's actually a brilliant maneuver if you think about it. And then like hard cut to the inside of the horse. There's a splinter in my ass and my leg is cramping up (laughs) and I want to go home. Yeah, I I kind of love how like relentlessly cranky the doctor was, and he's like, especially these last two episodes. <laughs> oh, and fuck Stephen. I blame Stephen for all of this. That's fair, but why? But, well, because like they're at the Trojan horse, and they're like, oh god, shit's gonna get real crazy real quick. Vicky, you love that guy. You should go warn him. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I do. Fuck you, Stephen. Fuck you. you should kept your mouth shut. <laughs> this is your fault, Stephen. Fuck that guy. From where you guys are in history, that guy is already dead. Who cares? (laughs) Yeah, this episode, strangely enough, actually does have several markings of like an actual like an actual Greek tragedy. Like the the checkboxes you need for a good Greek tragedy. A lot of it can be found here of like a character rising higher than they've ever risen before and then falling lower than they've ever been before due to their own 
uh, tragic flaw. I'm talking about Paris. Paris is the Greek hero here, as the Greek tragic <laughs> hero here, um, because he claims to he's taken several hostages. He's brought he's brought the soothsayer Vicky to them. He's brought in this uh, wonderful omen of the uh, horse of Asia. It's great. He's he is finally being like considered a man in his uh, father's eyes for like the first time in his entire life, and it's his own stupidity and ego that is the undoing of not only himself but Troy. Like it has the markings of an actual Greek tragedy, and I'm kind of impressed by it. <laughs> <laughs> they were almost there in a lot of ways. I also like how the soldiers come out and they are sacking Troy. and then and the entire place is burning and people are screaming and cassandra takes this opportunity to show her uh brothers and father this new i told you so dance (laughs) that she's been practicing (laughs) for the past several days (laughs) granted granted i know cassandra has been like very dramatic the whole time and really cranky like has really like raised the tension a lot but honestly she deserved it she did nothing she... <laughs> wrong she <laughs> she did nothing wrong she was actually 100% right the whole time <laughs> exactly she's a bitch but she's a bitch who was actually 100% correct <laughs> because i i just imagine the city's burning people are just being butchered in the streets and she's just on a balcony and she's like oh my god it's like i told you guys this would oh happen oh my god <laughs> maybe from here on you guys should listen to what i say (laughs) it's like a a greek soldier comes in to stab her hold on just one moment okay go ahead (laughs) (laughs) she absolutely deserved her little victory lap so to speak but yeah and then it get just like just like a throwaway narrative line it mentions how paris and trium lie dead on the floor and I'm like, I like I knew the Trojans were going to die, but like, I'm still kind of sad <laughs> to see them dead because I liked them. I liked them a lot. Yeah, uh, especially Paris. It's like you you watch the movie Titanic for like the third time and you're just like, you can just, just like, just turn just a little bit more. Just turn. It's fine. You can just like, I know what's going to happen, but like, you could just turn a little bit more. You could probably avoid. No. no okay. Now everyone's dead. Great. Awesome. <laughs> There's room on the door, Rose. <laughs> Another thing I really don't like about this episode is Katarina was not even in this story until this episode, right? Correct. Because I make the note in episode three, I was like, where the fuck is Katarina? I know she's the next companion. Where the fuck is she? And then my first note in episode four is, now Katarina shows up. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I really hope this is how it goes. Where, like, the next episode opens up, and the doctor goes, Vicky, can you hear me? And he's like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> that's kind of what, it, that's kind of, like, how it goes down at the very end. Because, because like, the doctor and Vicky are, um, like, have a discussion of, of, it's like, shit's going down. Get back to the TARDIS now. And Vicky is like, I need to go help Troilus. And he's like, okay, well, hurry up. And so he goes in, and then, like, Odysseus is like, hey, so... You're not allowed to leave because you're very valuable. I'm going to keep you forever. And Doctor's like, no, you're not. Peace. And uh, he <laughs> runs into the TARDIS and flips some switches and they de- dematerialize. But Katarina was the one who helped Stephen get into the TARDIS. So he took off with Katarina still in there. 
And it's so, yeah, I'm just expecting this is one of the reasons why I want Myth Makers to be uh, brought back, because I just want him to be like, oh, thank God. Who the hell are you? (laughs) (laughs) There's even a moment because like Stephen is like delirious because of his because of his wound. And and he's like, Vicky, Vicky, come help me. And the doctor's like, that's that's not Vicky. That's some chick. Who are you again? Tell me your name, please. (laughs) (laughs) short of like barbara and ian just like storming onto the tardis in episode one it's the most abrupt companion inclusion into the tardis crew yeah absolutely there was a scene that was cut that um i really wish had been included which was a scene between vicky and katarina where they were discussing the fact that katarina had had an augury that foretold of her imminent death which i think would have lent a lot more impact to the scene where she is on the TARDIS and she's like thanking the doctor profusely because she thought she was going to die. She thought that the prophecy had was finally being fulfilled and she was about to die. And so she was like, thank you. Thank you so much for, for saving me. And like, she calls him a, she calls him a God. I was like, Oh good. This can, this continues. (laughs) (laughs) So on the one hand, it's like, I like that she has like reason to stay of you saved me from the slaughter i appreciate it and also probably all of my friends and family also died so it's not like i have a whole lot of places to go if you did drop me off so like wherever i'm cool i'm down (laughs) and the doctor is like that's just my thing (laughs) i mean it's practically vicky again you know Her, (laughs) her family's dead she's got nowhere to go she's just from a different time period (laughs) Grant, if if she still thinks he's a god, I really I really want that to be a problem in basically every story going forward. I just want someone to <laughs> I just want someone to like mouth off to the doctor and Katarina just slaps them. <laughs> and they're like, You respect that god And the doctor's like, Yes, respect me. I will not tolerate blasphemy in my presence. <laughs> <laughs> I I will only accept Katarina as a companion if she's just a full blown zealot the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. It might be. I don't. I honestly don't remember. Again, I remember liking Katarina, but a lot of her stories are gone. A lot of a lot of her moments are gone. So, I so I don't really have like a visual much of a visual connection with her. Yeah, me neither. Vicky meets up with Troilus, and they both watch Troy burn, and she decides to stay because yeah, she's for in some love reason. with the guy from the prison cell that, that she's one had guy. like two conversations with. That were in the prison. I, again, uh, I just wish that the video still existed because the drip on Troilus had to be strong. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, this guy just had to be like emitting pheromones straight up. <laughs> I know. Like, you go to the Doctor Who wiki and there's not even a picture of Troilus. Like, if you go to the, the page of Troilus, <laughs> there's nothing there. I have no idea what this dude looks like, so I'm assuming he's just fucking jacked and chiseled like a greek god (laughs) it's gotta be that meme of like giga chad yeah absolutely i mean (laughs) he must be handsome because like she was willing to leave steven to be with troilus and peter purvis is a very handsome man so (laughs) very handsome man. so troilus must be better eye candy than steven taylor uh but yeah i wish the video existed i want to see troilus's drip because it had to be good then that's that's the myth makers that that yeah that's that's the myth makers so let's go ahead and do 
um, everyone's favorite segment, Goodbye My Dear. So... Pissed. Yeah. Definitely pissed about how she left, because... Fuck, dude. What is there to say about Vicky? She is my favorite character so far, and I don't know how long it's going to be before we meet another character of her caliber. And I wish that she stayed. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I wish that she stayed. And, or at the very least, just, like, had a good send-off. I don't feel like this art... I don't feel like this was, like, the story to do it on. I don't feel like anything she did even matched her character. No, absolutely not. And this arc didn't lend into her strengths. with Because mm. Vicky was better Susan. But even Susan got an arc that was kind of related to, like, the actual character journey she had. And even though Barbanians were abrupt, it was still ultimately the end of, like, their arc, which was, I want to go home. Because I would argue that Vicky's biggest, like, arc would be um, her clear abandonment issues and her fatherly attachment to the Doctor. I would argue were the biggest recurring themes of Vicky. So if I had to write a story where Vicky voluntarily left, I would have it as a story where she got separated from the crew and had to survive on her own for an extended period of time and realized she didn't need them. She could survive without her father figure. She could she could stand on her own two feet. I wanted that. Because she obviously can, because that's her character. She is she's incredibly capable. But none of that came across here. And it felt like they were just like, yeah, we uh had Susan fall in love with someone and stay. Uh so let's just do that again. Only this yep. one was a lot more rushed. I would argue that uh Susan and David had more chemistry. They at least had scenes together. They at least shared a kiss. Mm -hmm. They at least shared each other's, shared their own hopes and dreams with each other. They confided. They had moments where there was like actual intimacy. Vicky and Troilus had a scene where they talked and flirted a little bit through the uh, prison bars. And that's it. Mm -hmm. It was, yeah. Did not like it. Do better. She was basically left behind by accident. I don't think the doctor mm -hmm. intended to leave her behind. It's just that he was being assaulted. He was being literally attacked by Odysseus. And he's like, I'm bouncing. Yep. So let's talk about that backdoor politicking, shall we? Yes, lay it on me. So Maureen O'Brien was very, very classically trained actor. She she admits that uh, in her early days, she was a bit of a snob in terms of like what is considered real acting and she didn't consider television real acting she was like it's theater or bust and she was in college getting a degree in acting and then someone was like hey you should audition for this i think you'd be really good and she was like well i do enjoy eating so i suppose i'll try and so and she got it and she wasn't really a big fan of sci-fi she wasn't a big fan of she certainly wasn't a fan of doctor who she never watched she never watched television let alone doctor who so um it was really just a a chance of doing different type of acting for her even if she didn't believe that what she was doing was real quote-unquote real acting she was going to give it 110 percent, and i think i think that came across but then the new producers came about during the filming of galaxy four the three main characters the three main actors were complaining about the scripts and Maureen O'Brien's contract was supposed to be renewed after the myth makers. And so the new producer was like, Oh, you don't like it. Oh, okay. And refused to renew Maureen O'Brien's contract. And it never explicitly says this, 
I've never, I don't see any source explicitly saying this, but like that reads to me as a guy who's like, I don't like having uppity actors. I'm going to make an example. This can happen to you if you continue being mm-hmm. shit. That's what it reads to me as. So Vicky wasn't originally supposed to leave in the Myth Makers, but the new new producer John Wiles was like, no, nah, she's leaving. If Vicky's departure feels rushed, it's because it was. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Yay, show business! <laughs> yeah, and also like it gives me tons of hope for future episodes. I, I will, I will say this to give you a little bit, to actually give you a little bit of hope. John Wiles does not stick around as producer for very long. Hmm. I wonder why. I'll bet you William Hartnell makes his life miserable just as much as John Wiles makes William Hartnell's life miserable. So, <laughs> but yeah, favorite moment. For Vicky. Definitely the Space Museum, where uh, she incites a violent revolution. <laughs> yeah. Where, like, uh, specifically the moment where she's with the uh, rebels, and they're playing, like, how are we going to take these guys on? And she's like, well, is there an armory? You should go get guns. Yeah. They can't beat you if they're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, I thought that was amazing, so. Yeah. I'm going through the episodes that uh, she was in, and honestly, like she is a shining gem in pretty much every single episode she's in. But I have to agree the 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 peak peak Vicky moment is is definitely the space museum. Just the just the idea of aren't you tired of being nice? Don't you ever just want to go ape shit? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, I also really love the episode. Um, or the moment in the rescue, the first episode she's in, where uh, the doctor and Ian and Barb are all like plotting. They're like, you know, like if aliens come back, we'll do this or we'll do that. And she's like, hey, uh, I've got an idea. How about fuck you guys? You just show up out of nowhere, kill my pet, and then want me to help you along with whatever scheme you're doing? I'm not doing that. <laughs> we can help you defeat the alien. Hmm. 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 Or, or, or alternatively, follow me on this one. You all go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I thought that was amazing. So that's definitely my runner-up moment. Goodbye, Vicky. You will be dearly missed. You will be dearly missed. We are we are saluting you. And pouring a cold one out on the ground. We hope that we get companions who are half as good as you. God, I, yeah, I'd settle for half as good. So, But on that note, final thoughts of the Mythmakers. Definitely the best audio drama so far. Without a doubt. Kind of a kind of a middling episode and a horrible way to send Vicky off. Yeah. Yeah, the more we talk about it, the more Vicky's send-off kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I think I'm still going to have it in my top five, but it's going to be my number five. So I feel like it will probably it will probably be get get knocked out at some point. But for right now it is in my top five. I will give it the award of best boy for Paris. <laughs> I do love, honestly, Paris carries this episode, if I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but as an episode, it's fine. As a send-off, it's terrible. And as an audio drama, it's better than everything else. But it wasn't really competing that much. (laughs) Not not really a high bar to aspire to. When, according to my rankings, the uh, next one is, the next best one was Marco Polo? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, it's true. Before this one, Marco Polo was the best, and Marco Polo was terrible. Because it's, it's competition was Galaxy 4 and the Crusade. 
both of which are in my bottom five. <laughs> but yeah, I I personally really like this episode, uh, not just because I really enjoy the time period, but also because of that. I thought it, I thought it was genuinely funny. Again, Paris was an absolute treat. Odysseus, I hesitate to call him my new favorite villain because he doesn't even really feel like a villain necessarily. He's like an anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. It just depends on which scene you're in, whether he's the villain or not. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode, guys. If you like it and you want to talk to us about the show, you can find us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. If you'd like to just talk to us in general, you can find Mac at MacTheMeh and Caleb at C-O-B underscore Clark. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the major podcast networks. Join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we listen to the episode that we've all been waiting for. The longest episode in Doctor Who history. The Daleks Master Plan. Oh, God. have to make this the insert at the end but there was one line that i didn't mention in, in this whole thing that i thought was genuinely fucking hilarious uh i think vicky is talking to premium and it's when they're taking her down to the dungeon and he's like yes yeah, that's kind of the nice down there i go down there sometimes <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>